Luke 15, verse 11 to 31, the lost son. Jesus went on to say, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger one said to him, father, give me my share of the property now. So the man divided his property between his two sons. After a few days, the younger son sold his property and left home with the money. He went to a country far away where he wasted his money in reckless living. He spent everything he had. Then a severe famine spread over that country and he was left without a thing. So he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could fill himself with the beans, pods, the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. At last he came to his senses and said, all my father's hired workers have more than they can eat, and here I am about to starve. I will get up and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am not fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired workers. So he got up and started back for his father. He was still a long way from home when his father saw him. His heart was filled with pity and he ran through his arms round his son and said, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. But the father called his servants. Hurry, he said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Then go and get the prized calf and kill it. And let us celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now is alive. He was lost, but now has been found. And so the feasting began. In the meantime, the elder son was out in the field. On his way back, when he came close to the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come back, the servant answered, and your father has killed the prize calf because he got him back safe and sound. The elder brother was angry that he could not go into the house, so his father came out and begged him to come in. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have worked for you like a slave, and I never disobeyed your orders. What have you given me? Not even a goat for me to have a feast with my friends. But this son of yours wasted all your property on prostitutes, and when he comes back home, you kill the prize calf for him. My son, the father answered, you are always here with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be happy because your brother was dead, but now is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. Good morning, everyone. It is great to be speaking to you today. If we haven't met before, my name's Sophie, and I'm on the staff team here at St. Saviour's. And many of you will know that I um, have recently, last month, returned from maternity leave, having taken a year off to spend with my baby girl, who's called Ella. She's over in the corner. You might have seen her with me in the front row earlier in the service. And Ella, loves stories. We read stories to Ella every day. And we're firmly in the turn the flap 
phase at the moment, but every now and then I try to move us on to slightly more advanced reads purely for my own entertainment, and I've brought a few with me this morning. So we have The Gruffalo, a modern classic, The Lion Inside, there's a great message in this one, and A Squash and a Squeeze. Some of you might know about the wise old man. I look forward to the day when Ella wants to read those stories too, but right now we're sticking to Spot Goes to the Farm and Where's Mrs. Cat. John Cotter, who's a professor at Harvard University, talks about the impact of storytelling. He says this, never underestimate the power of a good story. Jesus loved telling stories, and he was a great storyteller. The Gospels are full of parables, stories told by Jesus that convey his teaching. And this morning, as we continue our series, This is Jesus, we are exploring the parable of the prodigal son. And in this parable, Jesus tells a story of a father and his sons that conveys the grace of God. And this morning, as we explore this parable, we're going to ask ourselves three questions. How do we get grace? How do we give grace? And how do we grow in grace? Let me pray for us as we start. Father, I thank you that you are here by your Spirit, and I pray that you would speak to us now by your Spirit as we explore this parable together. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, how do we get grace? In other words, how do we receive grace? Well, John Tyson, who some of us would have heard speak at Focus a couple of years ago, recently shared the opinion that Luke 15 may be the most beautiful chapter of words ever written. 94% of this chapter is made up of parables, stories that Jesus told, one of which being the parable of the prodigal son. And in the first 6% of the chapter, before we come to the parables, we read that sinners and tax collectors gathered round Jesus to hear him speak. And seeing this, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, and the Bible actually uses the word muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And in response to this, Jesus tells three parables in a row. And these parables are often referred to as the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And in each of these parables, Jesus tells the story of something or someone that was lost and the joy experienced when each were found. In the parable of the prodigal son, we read that the younger son asked for his share of the estate while his father was still alive. And at the time, that was the equivalent of saying to his father, I wish you were dead. And his father would have been expected to refuse this request, but instead he does what his son asks. 
Tom Wright explains that this likely meant that the father split the land in two that he owned, with the younger son selling off his share of the estate to someone else, and that would have brought public shame to the family. And then the younger son spent his share on wild living, and he basically reached rock bottom. And it was at this point that he came to his senses, to use the language in our passage, and he returned to his father. He prepared a lengthy speech, and he assumed that because of his mistakes, he would have to return as a slave, not as a son. But what we see is something totally different. As soon as his father sees him in the distance, he runs to meet him, and he embraces him. Before the son even finishes his lengthy prepared speech, the father calls for a celebration because his son has returned. His father shows him extravagant grace. And it's the same with us when we turn or when we return to God. However far we've gone, whatever we've done, when we turn or return to God, we receive, we are met with extravagant grace. Nicky Gumbel puts it like this, God loves you passionately, wholeheartedly, and unconditionally. However much you've messed up in your life, whatever your regrets, it's not too late to turn to God. He will accept and embrace you as a loving father embraces a lost child. As Alan mentioned, we are currently in the season of Lent when we anticipate, anticipate celebrating the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. And it's through the death and the resurrection of Jesus that we can be assured that we receive extravagant grace. Jesus paid the price for our sin and he defeated death on a cross. And because of this, the Bible tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So how do we get grace? How do we receive grace? Grace is a gift freely given because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We simply need to turn or return to God. Philip Yancey explains it like this. God's arms are always extended. We are the ones who turn away. So first, how do we get grace? Second, how do we give grace? Well, if we look back to the context that I shared earlier about Luke 15, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were muttering that Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. And at the time, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law followed the letter of the law. They followed the rules and they were muttering here about the people that broke them. And it's widely agreed that in the parable, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are represented in the person of the older brother. When the older brother finds out that his younger brother has returned and that his father is throwing a party, a celebration for him. He is full of bitterness and anger and resentment 
and jealousy. He boasts of never disobeying his father, which was the boast of the Pharisees. He refuses to join the party, which would have brought shame to his father. And when talking about his brother, he can't even bring himself to say the word. He says, this son of yours. When we look to the younger brother, his sin is outward and obvious. With the older brother, it's inward and subtle. It's an attitude of the heart. Outwardly, he's done all the right things, but inwardly, he lacks grace. Now that we have a baby, we get to use the highly sought-after child spaces and supermarket car parks. And at Tesco's, there is clear signage saying that these spaces are reserved for little shoppers. And I'm often surprised by how full these spaces are. Occasionally, we've had to use a regular space and squeeze Ella out of the car door. And in all honesty, I have been known to make a comment or two wondering whether everybody that uses these spaces does, in fact, have a little shopper with them. Occasionally, I've even had a quick glance as people get in and out of their cars. I'm a bit of a rule follower, and that's fine in itself, but not when it causes me to judge others by my own standards and point the finger, because that leads me to lack grace. It can be easy to outwardly do all the right things, but what about our hearts? What's happening inwardly? Do we ever experience bitterness or resentment or jealousy or anger like the older brother? Do we ever lack grace? In the Bible in one year, Nicky Gumbel says this, daily receive mercy and forgiveness and daily give mercy and forgive others. We receive extravagant grace from the Father And he calls us to give grace to one another. So first, how do we get grace? Second, how do we give grace? And finally, how do we grow in grace? Well, I want to suggest that while we may relate more to one than the other, we are all both the younger brother and the older brother. We all sin. And therefore, we all need to continually return to the Father. And we all lack grace for one another sometimes. Sometimes we experience bitterness and resentment and anger and jealousy, and the list goes on. These are inevitabilities of being human. None of us are exempt from this. But more importantly than who we relate to, is who we are called to be. And we are all called to be more like the Father. In his well-known book on this parable, Henri Nuon says this, I am the younger son. I am the older son. And I'm on my way to becoming like the Father. 
In the Father, in the person of the Father, we find the best example of grace. We see the Father give extravagant grace throughout this parable, both to the younger brother and the older brother. When I was training to become a rev, the word formation was used constantly at theological college, which they describe as the shaping of the whole person after the likeness of Christ. There was a recognition that God is at work by his spirit forming and shaping us into the likeness of Jesus, and that's something that we want to nurture and to encourage. James K. Smith talks about formation and grace. He says this, Grace is a game changer, not a game ender. I am not who I used to be. I am on my way to becoming who I'm called to be, but I am not there yet. We are all called to be increasingly formed into the likeness of the Father made possible by the Holy Spirit at work in us. This is how we grow in grace. How do we get grace? Grace is a gift freely given. However far we've gone our own way, Whatever we've done, when we turn or when we return to God, we can know with a sure certainty that we are met with extravagant grace because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. How do we give grace? Well, God calls us to give grace to one another, to not only consider that outward and external, but the internal, to ask ourselves how is your heart, not to point the finger and to judge others by our own standards, but to give one another grace. And how do we grow in grace? We grow in grace as we are formed into the likeness of the Father, made possible by the power of the Spirit. We are the younger brother, we are the older brother, and we are all called to become more like the Father. Would the band like to come up? In the parable of the prodigal son, the story ends on a cliffhanger. It leaves us guessing. We're left wondering how the older son is going to respond. Does he go to the party? Does he join the celebration? How does he respond to his father who offers him and his brother extravagant grace? And that's my question for you this morning. How do you respond to the father who shows you extravagant grace? As we move into worship and as we take communion, I encourage you to ask that question and we'll have an opportunity to pray later in the service. How do you respond to the Father who offers you extravagant grace this morning? If you're able to stand, please do and let's worship together.
wait on the Lord and allowing the Lord to speak to us for anything he might be saying to us this morning. One of the things that I just kind of sensed as Sophie was speaking to was just, I mean, she was speaking about God's extravagant grace. It's something that we, we hear and we kind of know in our heads. I think sometimes we totally underestimate in our hearts. Actually, his, his, his love is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. And that God has such amazing plans for every single person here this morning. Such amazing plans. And the only thing stopping us is often ourselves, that we rule ourselves out. And he just wants to know, you to know about his grace. Actually, it's not about you. It's all about him, what Jesus has already done and his amazing grace for you. Actually, every time we come before the Lord, it's almost like it's a fresh page. We draw the line. Everything that happened yesterday or this morning, or even during this service, 
is the past. We draw a line and we begin again with Jesus. It's a clean slate. Before we moved into a time of worship and took communion, we asked ourselves that question, how do you respond to the Father who offers you extravagant grace this morning? And there's an invitation this morning to respond. There's no pressure, but I'm going to pray for us. And if anybody wants to join in, then you are so welcome to. Perhaps you have never turned to the Father. You've gone your own way and you've never turned back to the Father. Well, he is there, arms outstretched, waiting to meet you, running to meet you when you turn to him with extravagant grace. Perhaps you have known God a long time, but there's something that is causing you to retreat in your relationship with God. This morning, there's an invitation to return to the Father. Perhaps you identify with the older brother and outwardly you do all the right things, but you know that inwardly there's something that you feel challenged to change. I invite you this morning to return to the Father and we can know with a sure certainty that we are met with extravagant grace because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So if you would like, uh, you can join in with me, join me in this prayer. There's no pressure, but for anybody that would like to, let's pray. You might want to put your hands out in front of you. Uh, there's nothing special about this. It's just a way to say, Father, I've, I receive what you've got for me. This morning, I receive your gift of grace. So, Father, we are sorry for the ways that we have turned our own way whatever that looks like for each of us. We thank you that you offer us extravagant grace, made possible because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. This morning we choose to return to you. We thank you that when we do, you run to meet us, arms outstretched, ready to embrace us and welcome us home, full of extravagant grace, full of love and compassion for us. And Father, we recognize that grace is a game changer, not a game ender, that we're all on a journey to becoming more like you. And we, we pray that you would do your transforming work in us to form and shape us more into your likeness by the power of the Spirit. If you'd like to receive prayer this morning, if you'd like someone to stand with you in prayer, then do come to the front uh, I'll be there, Gillian will be there, um, we would love to, to pray with you this morning. As we worship, we pray, come Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence with us, meet with us now. <laughs>